Do you remember the way former billionaire Sean Quinn and his family fought very hard to stop their foreign assets being claimed by the state? It was supposed to be part payment of a debt which amounted to billions of euro. Irish Times reporter Colm Keener remembers it well. He even travelled to the Ukraine to find out who really owned a shopping centre there and if the bankrupt Quinns were using it and properties like it to shield their wealth. They owned a shopping centre in Kiev and myself and uh, this American guy who was living in Kiev and working for a local paper, we went to the shopping centre and there were all these guys in militia type uniforms came out and told me I couldn't take photographs from the street of the uh, shopping centre. And then I, we went in and up to the top floor where there's a bowling alley and the office of the company that ran the, 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 the shopping centre. So it's something like Stevens Green shopping centre, you go up the top floor and knock on the, the door that says management. And like these huge heavies came out and said, what do you want? Like the amazing muscles. I said, I'm a reporter from the Irish Times there. I was brandishing my notebook in my barrow, you know. And then I came in, I was brought in about 10 minutes later, were all these heavies there staring at me as if it was a threat to their personal safety, you know. And, uh, you know, we can't answer your questions. We can't answer your questions. <laughs> I was saying, who, you know, who gets the rent on this shopping centre? Who owns it? And so on. The rumour was it was the family of the guy who was the Prime Minister at the time and later on fled to Russia when there was the revolution in Ukraine. But um, it was just extraordinary. And then we were just followed around by these guys in paramilitary uniforms and so on <laughs> around the shopping centre. That's a pretty memorable story. Maybe it's the kind of story the Quinns are hoping people will forget. Now, the family of former billionaire Sean Quinn has won the right to have their past forgotten, or at least to have it forgotten by Google, because the search engine has agreed to remove certain returns from its searches that show up when you search the names of individuals within the Quinn family. Dozens of stories about the Quinns published by the Irish Times will no longer appear on Google searches. Here are three of the now hidden headlines. Almost certain Sean Quinn family behind 10 million euro asset stripping of company, says Judge. IBRC unravels web around Sean Quinn family's assets in India. Court finds substandard Quinn disclosure in IBRC case. While some of the headlines about the Quinn family's difficulties will be forgotten by the world's biggest search engine, today we're going to look back at Sean Quinn's extraordinary rags-to-riches story and the subsequent collapse of an empire stretching all the way from Cavan to that shopping centre in Kiev. Colm, it's been a long time since Sean Quinn was a household name in Ireland. Can you remind us of who he is and what role he played in Irish life? He's played a huge role in Irish life over a period of five decades or more. For the first two thirds of that, he did so very quietly. So he grew up in the border area. He's from Derry Lynn, County Fermanagh, which is just across the border from where he now lives near Ballyconnell in County Cavan. He grew up in a small farm, very poor, modest background. But he did an extraordinary thing. He started quarrying the poor land he was living on, made some money out of the quarrying. And then he moved into other businesses. He moved into radiators. He moved into building supplies uh, and then into the concrete business, which at the time was really a, a monopoly of the Irish cement group. And all of this was happening on the farm where he'd grown up in very uh, modest circumstances. He built this industrial conglomerate in this really poor part of Ireland, in the middle of the troubles with people being killed all over the place and, you know, the border being such a, a political and security nightmare. He builds up this industrial conglomerate and becomes one of the richest people in Ireland. Then he moved into insurance. Queen Insurance was set up. 
you could get very, very competitive car insurance rates. And he began to buy a lot of property in Ireland. Then he began to buy property across Eastern Europe. He got the idea that property prices in Eastern Europe would rise significantly. That there were bargains to be had, so to speak. And he set up an international structure with companies in Scandinavia and so on and Cyprus and loads of different places that then bought property in Ukraine, Russia, Turkey, India, all these places. And the idea was that each of his children would inherit a, a property portfolio worth about a billion euros. Billion euros each? Yeah, yeah. I think that was the plan. But how big was his business? And how much was the Quinn family worth? And was he worth at the height of this amazing story? Well, these things are always hard to estimate as well. There's always borrowings involved and so on. But he, he was de definitely worth a number of billion uh, euros, maybe three or four billion euros. And is considered not just perhaps one of the richest people in Ireland, but one of the richest people in the UK and Ireland. And all this started from a farm in Cavan. Yeah, and very much based still based down there. Huge amounts of local employment, huge amounts of local support for the GAA, all that sort of stuff. So he, you know, an area that would be associated with emigration and, and low paid employment suddenly had all these, you know, pretty decent jobs. Then it all started to go wrong. Sean Quinn funded his property portfolio with debt. And a lot of that debt was issued by one bank, Anglo-Irish Bank. And he liked the look of Anglo-Irish Bank. So he began to invest in it. So although he was his, he became the bank's biggest customer, it also turned out he was essentially the bank's biggest shareholder. And he did that in a very, very high risk way, which was to buy things called contracts for difference. So you don't buy the actual shares. So nobody could see that Sean Quinn was a huge shareholder. But if the shares went up in value, he got a very good return from them. But if they went down in value, he suffered... Uh, catastrophic losses. And even when the bank started to go sour, the property sector started to go sour and the bank shares started to go down, instead of trying to close down the, the, the hemorrhage, he upped his bet, you know, and he thought it, it won't happen, I'll, I'll get my money back. And in, in the end, he lost everything. And was it all down to his investments in Anglo that, was that at the root of all the problems? I think so. You know, I mean, obviously he would have been hit by the general downturn and the property in Eastern Europe and elsewhere would have been hit by the downturn. And he overextended himself, invested in an extraordinarily high risk way and he backed one horse, put everything on one horse really. When the Irish economy collapsed, the Quinn Group went down with it. Sean Quinn and his children ended up owing Anglo-Irish Bank a staggering 2.8 billion euro. Anglo was taken over by the state and renamed the IBRC. But when the IBRC came looking for the money it was owed, it found the Quinns would not give it up without a fight. I think that was probably one of the most extraordinary events in Irish corporate history. So what happened was the industrial holdings up on the border were seized and continued to operate and, and provide employment. They were considered to be worthwhile assets and, and businesses with a future. Meanwhile, the bank had illegal right to seize the property which was stretched across Eastern Europe and for, further beyond and which was owned by way of a, a very complicated international ownership structure. So it set about um, seizing this property which would have been worth about half a billion I think and had a significant rent roll. But what the family did then in the middle of the crisis when everything was collapsing was it would do all it could to frustrate the bank to try snaffle I think is a kind way of putting it as much of this foreign property as possible. 
Now, funnily enough, when the bank went after them and accused them of doing this in what became known as the conspiracy case, the position of the family, they, they admitted that they'd taken steps to frustrate the bank from seizing these assets to which I had a legal uh, entitlement. But then they claimed that they'd engaged these people in Moscow and Dubai and elsewhere to help them with this. But then they in turn had been double-crossed by the people they'd engaged and they'd lost control and they'd lost control of the rent rolls. They'd lost control of the ownership structures behind these uh, properties. The IBRC told the courts that um, it didn't believe them and it felt that they were still you know, profiting uh, and still had an interest in these buildings. The Quinn Empire had spread all over the world. Did that make it more complicated for the courts to resolve satisfactorily? Oh, absolutely. It was an extraordinary. Actually, the Irish Times sent me over to a, a courtroom in Moscow. Uh, How's your Russian column? Uh, I had a translator with me. I had a translator with me. But what happened was there were these ra- what are called raider cases where, uh, you know, somebody goes into the into the uh, courts and said, you know, office blocks A is owned by company B, but I represent uh, offshore company C and we're owed 100 million by company B and they haven't paid us back this money. So we now own the building and the judge is fair enough. And issues an order to that effect. They're very extraordinary events. And I was sitting in the courtroom while these th- these kind of cases were going on. And it was really extraordinary, snowing outside. The judge was maybe in her early 30s. And most of the lawyers who were making the presentations before were in their early 30s, maybe the late 20s. And it was just extraordinary. Decisions were being made about properties that were worth tens of millions. And people were just saying, I have a document here from this company that was set up last week in Belize and it says it owns this building now and you'd often succeed and the same was happening in Kiev. So in these raider cases a company can tell a court that another company or another person owes them money and quickly get the court to give them control over that company's assets. Exactly that's right. And how did the Quins come into that? What role did raider cases play in their battle with IBRC? Well raider cases happened that led to mysterious companies getting control of these buildings in Kiev and Moscow and Turkey and India. And then the question arose as to who was behind this. The Quinn said they'd, they'd set a conspiracy in motion, but they'd lost control of it. The IBRC said that they weren't uh, convinced that the Quins weren't still involved. And then a really strange thing happened. The IBRC decided that it couldn't beat these extraordinary raider attacks. It couldn't win. So it went into business with these guys in Russia who were real big shots, who had a lot of power. And then the thing began to unravel. So I think the people who were doing dodgy stuff decided, well, I'm not going to, I might go up against the IBRC over in Dublin, never heard of it, but I'm not going up against these guys in Moscow and, and Kiev because they know who to call. So it all kind of stopped. But then, as the IBRC was beginning to get its hands on these properties with greater ease than heretofore, Putin invaded Ukraine and Crimea and so on, and the value of all these properties plummeted. So the Russian guy kind of pulled out at that stage. He kind of thought, well, it's, I'm not interested in this stuff anymore. I'm, I play for bigger numbers than this, you know. So after all that, how did the case end? Did the Quins back down? The children accepted judgments of, I think it was 88 million each. But the IBRC agreed that it wouldn't register these judgments as long as they continued to to do all they could to cooperate with the retrieval of the assets. Now, as far as I know, most of the assets have now been retrieved. 
but quite a bit of money that was paid in rent during the, the height of this dispute has never been recovered. Whereabouts and ownership of that rent, which would be a number of tens of million, is not known. Did the IBRC end up thinking that it had won its legal battles against the Quinn family? Or how did it all end up being resolved? Like, who was the ultimate winner in these court battles, do you think? Well, I mean, I guess to answer that question, you have to, you know, you have to acknowledge that you can't because we don't know who got the rent roll. OK, we, we don't know where that money went. You know, if you accept what the Quinn said, that uh, they lost control of the situation, well, fair enough. But I think there was a kind of undisputed evidence of significant payments going to the Quinns at one stage. And they said the, these monies were used to feed the lawyers who are running their international campaign. So they would say, I think the net gain was quite small. I mean, the IBRC in the end got control of the properties. So they weren't frustrated in their efforts. But the effort to do so cost an enormous amount of money for the taxpayer in all these legal fees all over the world. So, and I think everybody just, in the end, everybody ended up essentially exhausted. So I don't think the match ended. It was just abandoned. And of course, Sean Quinn spent some time in prison as a result of these court actions. Isn't that right? Yes, there was, there was, like I said, there was a huge battle over this so-called conspiracy case. And at one stage in 2012, he was uh, sent to jail for, for contempt. He was sentenced to nine weeks. His uh, son, Sean Quinn Jr., was also sent to jail for contempt. Did Sean Quinn and the Quinn family retain a lot of support in Cavan in particular once the empire collapsed? Yeah, I'd say two things about that. Um, certainly as a reporter trying to cover it, there were public demonstrations of support for Sean Quinn. I went up to Derry Lynn, up to Ballyconnell and drove around there. It was extraordinary. At this stage, the, the industrial business had been taken over by the bank and they'd brought in American investors and so on. And you'd see these quite horrendous posters up like outside the local shop and so on, uh, pouring scorn on the people who now had taken over the company. And that had a kind of menacing effect because at the same time, you know, you had sort of dodgy stuff going on, uh, arson attacks and pretty sinister messaging being sent to the, to the management of the company. So the fact that you put up a, a thing saying, you know, Anglo-Irish Bank out of Queen Holdings in your front garden meant kind of that you were siding with these with the criminal end of things I mean you were sort of the the protester end of what stretched on to outright illegality but there was a lot of support but it was very very difficult to get people who would be against what was happening to talk I mean even off the record by way of deep background the normal kind of people you go to just wouldn't talk so there was a menacing air there too Okay, and who took over the running of the industrial side of the business once the Quinns lost control? Well, there were some people appointed by the the new American investors who then wanted to to do a deal with the IBRC in terms of the the debt so that to give money, the IBRC would get some money back for the property it seized and the investors would then go on and, and run what would hopefully be profitable business and maintain the employment levels in this what would otherwise probably be an unemployment black spot. So that went on but at all the time while under attack you know extraordinary things like you know getting a van filling her full of inflammable materials and so on and driving it into into a premises kind of like a, a, a bomb on four wheels when there were people in the building and there were bullets and the chief executive's car was set at fire outside his home, family home at one stage. Another man who was going to invest in one aspect of the uh, of the conglomerate um, got bullets uh, sent to his home and uh, then then withdrew. 
there was a very strong demand that the control of this should be given back to Sean Quinn. And we should say that Sean Quinn has always denied that he had any involvement in any intimidation and there is no evidence that he or his family were involved in any way. The Quinns also denounced the attack on Kevin Lunny, one of the executives who took over the company after Sean Quinn lost control. Three men were sent to prison for that attack recently. What did we learn about the attack when the case came to court? Well, I mean, essentially what we found out from the, the court case was these people, three of the four defendants, had done these really, you know, carried out this vicious attack which involved breaking Kevin Lunny's leg and also cutting his chest with a blade. So it was a really savage attack. But we learned very little really as to why these men did this. We still don't know. And of course, there's no suggestion that any of the Quins were involved in those attacks, is there? No. And uh, I mean, Sean Quinn is obsessed, I think, with the loss of his uh, of industrial holdings. But he has said he condemns those attacks and that he has, has nothing to do with them. There's been an awful lot written about Sean Quinn and his spectacular rise and perhaps his even more spectacular fall. But what has he been doing since the business collapsed in the wake of his investments in Anglo-Irish Bank? Well, the first thing that happened, of course, was that he, he went bankrupt. And uh, there was a big kerfuffle when he tried to go bankrupt in the north because it had a shorter duration than down here for bankruptcy. And that failed and he became bankrupt down here. Then he emerged from bankruptcy, I think, around 2014. And he began to get involved in a few other venture, a few new ventures. But he also became a consultant to the people who were by then running Quinn Industrial Holdings in, in Derry Lane and was getting a wage of about half a million euros a year. But he fell out with them um, after about a year and a half, I think. And uh, then they parted ways. He set up a company in Ballyconnell in County Cavan called Belbridge Consultancy. And that later became the trading company for an online betting business called Quinbet, which is doing very well and making huge amounts of money or a very significant amount of money money very quickly. But he's withdrawn as a shareholder and director of, of any of the, the, the Quinbet businesses. And it's now owned by mostly by his grandchildren and one daughter. And he, of course, he spent a lot of time, it seems, talking and thinking about uh, how to get his, uh, his businesses back. And has he spoken on the record to you or to anybody else about the collapse of his business empire and who or what was to blame for it? Like, does he accept responsibility for the mistakes that he made or does he believe that outside forces done him wrong, so to speak? He believes that um, it was completely wrong and illegal and, and a scandal that um, that his businesses were taken from him by Anglo-Irish Bank. He believes that he, they're, they're badly run ever since, that he should be in there running them and that it, what's happened is an enormous injustice. And where is he now? What's his, what's his position in society? What's his position in the community in Cavan now? Yeah, it's kind of extraordinary because, uh, uh, like we said, he grew up on this farm in Derry Lane and he, he built this conglomerate actually physically on the farm. And he lives in Ballyconnell across the border, County Cavan. But I think he can just about see the factories. He used to drive up there to Derry Lynn, you know, he'd say himself, you know, nearly every day of the week and drive past this extraordinary achievement uh, that had been in his life. And at one stage, there were orders that he had to stay away, that he wasn't actually allowed to walk on the, on the few acres that he transformed into this multi-billion euro empire. And he, has, he lives in a, a very, 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 very uh, nice family home in Ballyconnell. But I think it's hard not to form the impression that you know, it really 
eats him up uh, what's happened That's it for today. In the news, we'll be back on Monday.